I think about this story that Michael tells about early on when he was at Dell and he was selling computers, he got put on this like team that wasn't performing well. And so they would just sit around and spend hours out of the day complaining about how they didn't get referrals. They, They were the victim, like it was everyone else's fault. And so he said that it just like clicked for him one day. He was like... Thank you everyone for listening to episode six of Authentic as Fuck podcast. You're getting better. Mm, thank you. You're you've been I, practicing. No. I don't know why. Like when I just say it, it, it comes out natural. Like if somebody I'm like, that's authentic as fuck. Like, but yeah, I just I don't know. <laughs> but people love the name. So I think we, it's a we, great we might, name. Yeah, we might stick to it. Yeah, like people shirts. would like tag me, like, uh, uh, like people tag me and say like authentic as fuck. <laughs> that's really good. I like it. Yeah. Um, we need like swag. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea because I feel like, like even if it, this wasn't my podcast, mm-hmm. or like if I didn't know anything about it, if, if there was a shirt that says authentic as fuck, I would probably buy it. <laughs> I would probably buy it. And then I'd probably like Google, like, what is the, is this from anything? That's true. And then we should definitely pod- do that. Yeah. Our podcast would show up. Oh, That's you true. know what? We should do it in like a cool, like in an unexpected, um, like font, Mm-mm-mm. like some like a cursive or like, you know, yeah, the yeah. font like that Amy Porterfield uses, yeah, yeah, yeah. like have it in like, in a way that, so you it's not like it a, to be written. Yeah. Oh, I see what you, see what you mean. Yeah. Like, because if I saw a shirt like that, like I, I wouldn't know from a distance. I'd be like, oh, it must say like something sweet or. And funny. then you go in, and you're like, oh, and then you're shit. like, whoa, because <laughs> that's the kind of shirt I would want to wear, and my friends would be like, oh, like, that's such a cute shirt, you know? <laughs> they would like. It's like, like, oh, and then they're like, oh, oh, never mind. (laughs) Oh, you wear that around your kids? (laughs) Um, I never know, like, how to deal with, like, so how does Michael do it? Like, um, when I write captions or when I write something, like, or in subtitle or something like that, like, should I just spell out fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, that's a great... That's a great question because we actually have been working. Um, he and I just had a conversation about this the other day. Oh, really? And yeah. And he, because like on LinkedIn, he's gotten, you know, even without the, um, or even with like, you know, putting stars or dollar sign or um, bleeping it out, people still have gotten offended in that arena. Um, and have It's not against that. like, it's not violating anything though, is it? I no, I think it just, you know, offends them. And and then he, it, we actually had a speaking engagement where someone was afraid to refer us because of the language that he uses. Because they were like, uh, we don't know if we want to, you know, if I want to refer you because you could offend a lot of people. Um, and I don't want to associate my name with that. <laughs> And so that got him thinking. I guess you have to think about that, yeah. That got him thinking about, but wait a second, what is what is authentic to me? And that's 
part of like how he talks. That's part of um, how he makes a point sometimes. At the same time, you don't want to use it to where it loses all its meaning and it's just like vulgar and um, but you can always tell offensive. Yeah, you can always right. tell. But so I think he got to um, the way he described it to me was if I'm going into someone else's world, so I'm getting paid to speak, I'm mm. coming in, you're bringing me in. I don't want to offend, offend your people or do anything like that. So obviously take note of that and be cognizant of how he's speaking in front of others. But if people come into his world and are part of the mask-free program, he feels like, you know, that's, you're paying to be a part of this. This is who he is. This is his personality. And he's not going to do it to excess, but that, that's who he is. Cause he also had a member, someone that was thinking about a, a, being a member who said like the language offended them. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And and so that's how he got to, okay, if I'm stepping outside of my place, like outside of my world, obviously there's a way to carry myself. But if people are coming into my world, it's my world. Um, it's so fu- mind-boggling to me that we even have to think about that. Because Yeah. I mean, I guess like if you're, if I'm going to an elementary school and speaking, right, obviously I can't like, <laughs> like I can't say fuck yeah. this, right? Like that's because... Like, right. I, that's kind of obvious to me, but right. I mean, I guess even then, right? Like, I don't know. Cause my parents, like my parents are super strict, mm-hmm. like about everything, right? Grace or like curfew and all of that, but they were never strict about cursing mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> that so, is, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I never like grew up like in my house. Cursing was never considered like something you can get in trouble for. Mm -hmm. Was it used often or was it like, yeah. But my, my parents cursed in front of us. And when we cursed, like it was no big deal. Like, right. (laughs) I didn't even know know that there was a thing until I was in public and I was cursing and, and like, I got in trouble for it. Yeah. Well, and you know what, like, I think that it's also personal, like what people get offended by and what they, they don't, right? Like that kind of language in music or the things that, things that are said in music about women or, and, and different things that are degrading, like that doesn't really bother me, but some people, it really, really bothers them. I remember when I was like coaching, um, I was a fitness coach and we would select the music that we played and you never could win like in every class someone is going to get offended by something (laughs) that's in your playlist one song every song is offending someone in the class and so i think especially now i mean but i have a lot of like people that i talk to like Mm -hmm. from foreign countries i guess they're religious or i don't know why but they don't curse, right? Mm-hmm. So even like even when they refer to my the podcast name, they'll be like, "Oh, authentic is," and then they won't say the word, right? Yeah. And um, and I'll ask them like, "Oh, like, do you not curse?" And then they're like, "No." Yeah, and that's <laughs> but, fine. Yeah, but they they don't have they don't have problem with me saying it, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, and you know, 
it is so personal. I think you just have to be true to yourself. And I think that's what Michael got to was like, I want to be true to myself. And that, especially when I'm in my world, like, and people are coming. I guess if they tell you up front, like, you know, you can't say these words, I guess Mm -hmm. if somebody says, okay, like you can't say these words because of whatever reason, then I, I won't. Right. Yeah. Cause like, Cause I, have been in situations where I'm in a meeting and like, um, you know, I'll say fuck or something like this slips out and then they didn't like it. And then I, I, I'll make sure not to do it again. Right. Right. But it's, I'm not, it's at the same time, I'm not doing it on purpose. Like I don't really, I'm not the type of person that like curses like a sailor. Right. Right. So, but once in a while it might slip out. Right. But it's natural. It's like, uh, I think you can always tell when somebody's like forcing it versus that's just how they talk mm-hmm. or I've been in situations where it kind of slipped out <laughs> like in the yeah. meeting. <laughs> and then, right. uh, and then I was like, I think I said like, Oh, I think I said like, Oh, like that's fucking bullshit or something like that. And then I was like, <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> like I actually caught myself. <laughs> and then you oh, cursed when you caught yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. But then it was like kind of funny, right? And and she laughed. And then literally from that moment, like that was like the first time we've met. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a business meeting. Right. As soon as that happened, it literally broke all the ice in the room. From that point on, we were like best friends. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that because like, because she got to see like, you do something real. She got to see like yeah. the veil come off for a second, like where you realize, oh, he's just like I'm another just like, human like me. <laughs> yeah, he just stuck his foot in his mouth, and now here we are, and we can laugh about it. Yeah, she sounds pretty cool that she didn't like. Yeah, I I, I actually I think like ninety percent of people I meet are like that. Like, yeah. I I feel like there's. I feel like we live in a world right now where when you're on YouTube, right? I mean, I don't really watch news or like, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and YouTube, everything is just so polarized that it, it's, it's, when you're on YouTube and you're looking at the world through the lens of YouTube, you feel like everybody's either here or here. But then when I'm in the real world talking to most people, most people are like, 90% of people are actually in the middle. You know, they're... <laughs> it's kind of like uh, comments on like Yelp or something, or even Amazon. Yeah, everyone loves it. Right. Either they <laughs> love it or they absolutely hate it. And I think you have to take those with a grain of salt because it's like, when do I ever write a review? When I'm super annoyed and dissatisfied. It's true. Or when I had the best experience in my yeah. life and it's the best product I've ever used or best service. So You know what? I never thought of it that way. (laughs) I just got wow from the master. Thank you. That's true, right? Like, uh, is I feel like like when I was saying, "Good job, grasshopper." (laughs) Your star, your your first star. The yeah, when an experience is like a three star. I'm like, well, like I, I don't, I feel too lazy to comment. <laughs> or, yeah, right. Like I'm, not, like if you send me an email to write a review, if I didn't write a review about your product, 
It's because it was, I wasn't. It was satisfactory. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> um, are, like, are you familiar with the NPS score? No. The, so it's it's the net promoter score. Mm-hmm. And it's what um, people use as like, a, you know, across the board, it's like a marketing tool that's used to see like, are your customers engaged okay. or not? And I'm probably not giving it the credit or explaining it the way it's intended to be used. But like, for instance, companies will survey and say, how likely are you to um, recommend this product or service to a friend? And it's a one to 10, 10 being like definitely one being not at all um, or zero being not at all. And it, so if anyone scores, like, I, th- I, I want to hope, I hope I'm getting this correct, but it's like, you don't really care unless someone gave you a nine or a 10, cause they're like your super engaged mm-hmm. clientele. And then you don't care if anyone, or, and you only care if someone oh, gave you like that. a exclude six those. and below. Yeah. So they completely exclude and they're like, don't even worry about the people that give you like a six through an eight or five through an eight or something like that. The only people you need to worry about are your super, um, your haters and your super engaged um, clientele. Cause the other people are kind of like, yeah, I'm going to keep coming. I'm satisfied. I'm not, they're in the middle. They're fine. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's the people on either end. I'm like, I'm actually like naturally like that. I, I, I completely ignore in my head and I'm sure you've seen me like that before. Like I come like a, if somebody compliments me, it mm-hmm. just goes on one ear and out the other. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a great, it's not a great habit. Right. But I can't help it. Cause I've, I've just been like that my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I literally put zero value to compliments. Probably because it sounds like your parents didn't compliment. Did your parents compliment you or was it always like get more, get no, more, never. get more? I, I, that could be My wild. parents are the ones that's never complimented me before. And everybody so, else has always complimented me, right? So yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I guess in the beginning, maybe it was like, it feels good or whatnot. But more and more time passed by. Now I look at it as, oh, they're just being nice. Because like, and I see it happening so many times with, with clients, right? Like a lot of businesses, they get feedback from their friends. So they're like, oh, what do you think of this website? What do you think of this copy? And everybody's always like, oh, it's amazing. It's like, <laughs> and yeah. I, I literally pay zero attention to that because like, it's amazing because they're your fucking friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes. Like let's that's why to I, some strangers. Yes. That way, that is a huge thing that we've learned in this process. It's like in the beginning, uh-huh. the first few people to go through the program were all friends of Michael's. So they're always like, this is so great. Yeah. And so now that we're getting complete strangers in there and saying, this is so great. Like those are, those are the voices that matter more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that actually, when, when it's a stranger complimenting you, it's, it feels, but right. for me, it's, it's even gotten to a point where that doesn't phase me either. Um, and, and when somebody, like when somebody says something negative, 
like a troll or something like that or somebody's just being mean because i've had that trolls no no not like in social media but like in real life okay like you know like there's always haters at work yeah oh yeah it's it bothers me when there's some truth to it when i know that there's some truth to it you know and there's always some a little bit of truth in every every troll every like negative energy that you get like that yeah and then maybe Mm -hmm. 90% of it is like them just like hating on you Mm -hmm. but then sometimes like there's that 10% that just like hits me it's like oh that's kind of true like I do do that or (laughs) I am like that right (laughs) yeah that really bothers me you know I wonder I wonder how those people would take it if like you're like yeah you know what you're kind of right yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> but good, actually. Like, and then see what they do then. Um, but I agree. I mean, yeah. But but there's also actually, a lot of truth. Are, there's truth are, in the compliments too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's truth. There's truth in those. Even if they love you, and even if they're like, you know, even if it's GG. Which I don't know. Does Gigi compliment you a lot? No, never. Yeah. <laughs> this is like my parents. <laughs> yeah. I'm that same way with Michael. Like I rarely ever compliment him. Um, but I don't know if like like when when we compliment you, you're probably like, oh, they're just saying that, but because uh, we're friends. I guess it depends. Like, um, like if I'm a if I'm working on a design, right? Like 99% of people that compliment me on a design, I completely ignore because uh, with design, what I found is that uh, I guess, okay, there's a difference. I do take feedback when it comes to, okay, I'm putting out design and I I have to figure out which one most people like that that's going to work, right? Because a lot of times that's not, what I consider is the best design. I know that, but I know that people like it. So I'll do it anyway, mm. <clears throat> but I don't personally like, will be like, Oh, that's amazing. Right. But if I personally care about like, is this good or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Then most people's uh, like opinion doesn't really affect me because I'm just going to be like, yeah, that's, you don't know anything about design. That's why. <laughs> but then like, if I knew somebody... that's what you were going to say. <laughs> You're like, hey, what, is, what the heck do you know about design? Why am I even asking you? But if somebody like that's like really, really at the top of design game, compliments, right. then, then I'll, you know, I'll feel good. I'll get feel validated or whatnot. But that's also why I don't give that many compliments. Because I guess I'm like that. I'm so judgmental of myself mm-hmm. that I'm not judgmental, but judging of myself mm-hmm. that I don't really give like with my employees and things like that. I feel so fake giving because, you know, I probably should do that. This is probably why I'm not really a good boss or leader. I know that like when you compliment somebody and say, hey, good job and all of that, like, People love that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't do it very often. I almost never do it. And that probably is not good if you're like a manager or a boss. 
But when I do do it, like it really means a lot to them because they know that like, I, I wouldn't compliment unless I actually thought it was good. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And you know, I think that there's, it's one thing to tell somebody good job and it's another to like give a thoughtful, you, you, you oh, are true. someone that gives yeah. a thoughtful compliment, even like in our parenting, like we take in a Montessori approach um, to mm. parenting. And one of the things that they talk about is giving praise. And so I never tell Amorette good job ever, but I'll say, wow, I love how you colored that blue, that the dinosaur mm. blue. Um, or I love how hard you're working mm. on your Legos because good job, like is has like no value. Yeah, it's, it's meaningless. <laughs> It, eventually right they're just looking for the like extrinsic or uh what is it intrinsic extrinsic um they're looking for the validation. extrinsic yeah. validation yeah and that's like not as and also good job motivating. is such a, yeah it's also overused phrase right because in, in work like managers do it all the time right? and parents and school, do it all the time yeah yeah like like i'm so because i don't say it to my child i'm every time i hear another parent say it to their kids or my my mom will say it to amaret or mm-hmm. um i hear other people say it to her it like i'm so aware of it like how often we say it to people That's and true. especially our children like now i'm gonna be aware of it after this conversation yeah, <laughs> yeah like you'll be aware of like how many times people say like great job and it's just like ugh great job what but um i actually saw like um one of my favorite people jocko willing he talks about like how leadership and he compares it to parenting and one of the things that he talks about is that like what you said Mm -hmm. and um praising effort not the result Mm -hmm. and another thing is like this is like a story that he tells which is like Oh, it's so good because he talks about like how somebody else telling a story about him where like they were at, at, at this pool party and all the kids were like doing and then uh, like kids love like when Jocko is judge, is judging like the they all do a dive and he's judging oh, them. Oh, yeah. And the, the, he was talking about how he does it and he'll it's like somebody will do it. And let's say it wasn't that great. <laughs> like, instead of saying, like, that sucks or whatever it is, like, he'll say, they, he, he'll go very specific. He said, I'll give that, like, a 5.6, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, and because because of this, you need to do the landing like this, and like, now go try it again. And they love it. Like, they, they'll, like, run, then they'll, like, want to try to get better at it, right? Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. Because you've given them, like, something to respond to. Yeah, you you give them a reason to try better. Right, improve, exactly. There's something what, to reach for. Yeah, which is what most bosses don't do, right? They're like, you either suck or you're good. <laughs> like, that's it. Okay. Right, and, and like, we don't <laughs> feel like we fit. Like, we don't, I think we're so conditioned as adults that if we're not in the you're great at everything category, then that autom- automatically makes us bad. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I would do performance evaluations and 
people would be so offended that I didn't give them like a nine and a 10 on everything. Mm-mm. Like, because that's what it, they're but, used to. They're, but overall, yeah, yeah. And so I was the bad guy, but I, you know, because I gave you a seven on a specific area. Um, and I think in, in personal branding, like you're getting criticized, criticized all the time. And there's a lot of value to the criticism. Like the praise is great, but the criticism you, and you don't have to take it all and change. Like in business, I, I think criticism doesn't, I think when in, in workplace, people, people judge their, uh, how, how well they're doing based on the criticism or the praise, like pet external validation. The thing about business is that nobody's giving you praise or criticism. There's, there's none of that. They, they vote with their money. They vote with their wallet, right? So oh, in business, personal branding? Yeah. In, in any kind or of business, in, in business. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, They're They're voting with their wallet. So if you're not making money, that means you suck. Like there's not like, that's why like none of those like, in, in companies, you can complain all you want, saying like, oh, like this person's being mean or blah, 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 blah. Like in business, there's no excuse. Like mm-hmm. if you're not making money, that means you suck. <laughs> if you're making money, that means you're good, right? <laughs> Does that mean it's, we suck? Does that mean I suck? Black and white <laughs> thing. I mean, like, that's how we have to, like, if you're the type of person that are, that are like at a, at a job and they're like, the reason why I can't like, uh, you know, that the reason why I can't do well in this company is because this person, like this person is going to put like dismiss everything that I do. Like my boss is going to be like that. Like that person yeah. is probably not fit for business because when you're running a business, there's no, nobody you can complain to. There's no, no one you can give yeah. excuse. There's no such thing. <laughs> like everything it, is on you. <laughs> it's just on you. Well, we talk about that so much. Like it, it's not even, it's not about what, it, it's not, if you're focused on they like that, you're focused on the wrong thing. Like that's the external stuff. You can't control them, <laughs> whether it's your business, whether you work for someone like um, I think about this story that Michael tells about early on when he was at Dell and he was selling computers and he was on this team that was known as like a really sucky team. I think he got put on this like team that wasn't performing well. And they all complained because they weren't getting the referrals that everybody else got. Um, And so they would just sit around and spend hours out of the day complaining about how they didn't get referrals. They, They were the victim. Like it was everyone else's fault. And so he said that it just like clicked for him one day. He was like, man, if I just spent the time um, needed to build a relationship with the people that I get the referrals from and like actually working on getting sales. Let me see what happens. And completely, it completely turned around. So once he focused on what he could control, the game changed. So this is a before the whole can't control, can't, con- can't, control, yeah. can't control Michael. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, he used that in his recovery. That's a big part of like 12 step recovery is focusing on the things that you can you control go. and yeah. great leaders stop. look like drug addicts <laughs> there you go yes. <laughs> um because as an addict it's everyone else's fault you know the reason they're doing this is because everyone else and um it's so true yeah 
So, so once you like focus on the things that you can do, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, whether it's your own company, because even as a business owner, who's losing their ass, like I've seen them blame it on. Yeah. Those are the ones that those are the businesses that don't do well. Right. They don't grow or like they they don't, they're not here anymore. Yeah. Or they go out of business because they're like, oh, it's, it's, um, I, I actually learned that like early, kind of early stages in my business because I've, and I, now I see it, I, I see other business owners doing it. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> it's like a flashback, right? Cause mm-hmm. I see people blaming their employees, like blaming their employees for something that goes wrong or blaming. You hired them. Like- yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, you can blame them all you oh, want. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's your fucking business. Like there's yeah. I mean and what that, what can you control in that situation? And you become so helpless, right? Like if you say, Oh, I can't do anything because of the weather, or like I know in, in restaurant business, like the weather affects yeah. the business a lot. Like oh, I can't do that because of the weather, or it, there, there's nothing I can do because you know my employee sucks, or there's nothing I can do because the economy is bad. Like once you start playing that excuse game, it makes you helpless. You're basically saying that okay, I have zero control over my life. Mm-hmm. Basically, my entire life yeah. is based on all these other <laughs> conditions that External happen around thing. me. Yeah, yeah, and then the pandemic hits, and then you got to get real creative. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the pandemic was a good thing for her. It was such (laughs) an eye opener. Yeah, like it was, uh, yeah, I think for a lot of businesses, I think it's hurt a lot of businesses at the same time, especially the restaurant. It just, when you said restaurants, it got me thinking about that, but Mm -hmm. it also made us get pretty creative. Like, why couldn't I always get my food curbside? (laughs) Like, why did I have to ever walk into your establishment? You should have always been bringing my food out to me. Um, but I have to go downstairs to the lobby. Right now? <laughs> like for food? Oh, 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 oh. I, was, I thought you were about to leave. I was like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, see, like here, we can pull up restaurants. Like you used to have to, if you order takeout, right? You had to get out oh, of your you car, like, you had to uh, go in. Like the old days. Like, uh, yeah. yeah now the have... places deliver, but like, even if you went, it's like a drive-through basically. Out. Yeah. But now they'll come out. They'll, they'll, you call a number, they come out, they just bring your food to you. Fantastic. <laughs> also all these places that didn't have order online, they've got order online now. Yeah, Love it. Yeah. Where was all this? Like my vet today, like, our dog had to get stitches um, and they were like, Hey, we'll just come out to the car and remove her stitches. Awesome. (laughs) Where was all of this before the zoo? Like we have timed entry and there's like low amount of attendance. You know what I think? Like, I feel like what the modern world has done is like the modern world has made it seem like everything like actually yeah i do blame the modern world for all of that like us thinking that we have no no control over our lives and then basically we're basically these mindless like 
you know, followers that just follows all these rules mm-hmm. and then everything will be all right. Like, it's like even this kind of like, I mean, I'm not saying that the, the, the stimulus and all the thing is obviously needed. Right. But when, when they actually announced that they're going to do the stimulus checks and, and um, the bailouts and stuff like that, I, I was actually kind of annoyed. I'm like, like people are just never going to learn. Like, <laughs> I, I think, for example, like, I feel like everybody thinks that, oh, there's no way the government's going to let this go, let this happen. There's no way that uh, the schools are going to let this happen. Like, there's no way that my company is going to let this happen. But it's, at the end of the day, we live in a fucking world. We live in a natural earth. Anything can happen. And you mm-hmm. are responsible for your own ass. There's no organization, no government, no anything that's going to make sure you're okay. But we've created a world where people expect that, right? People expect that, oh, there's no way they're going to let that. Like, that's, that's even a saying, right? There's no way they're going to let that happen. Like, who's they? Like, there is no such thing as they. <laughs> who's, who's they? <laughs> like, there's no way they're, they're going to let the economy go to tanks, like go into depression. Who's they? Like, nobody has control over that. If we go into depression, we go into depression. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that, you know? So, like, I, when I heard that, like, something like 70% of, 70 or 80% of small businesses have enough cash flow to last like 33 days or something like that. And then, and like that. Can you hear me? Yep. Now? I can hear you now. You hear me? Yep. What happened? I don't know. I think my computer is just like, I just had a lot of shit open. Oh, okay. But where were we? <laughs> you were talking about who's they, and that the government was oh, yeah. the modern world. Yeah, so that's kind of like, yeah. I feel like we've gotten so like coddled in this like modern world that, and that's why I think a lot of people just blame everything and everyone for everything, right? Like they're like, oh, it's because of, you know, it's because of the government, it's because of the president, it's because of my, my boss, but it's because, you know, but you know, you're like, everybody should just take responsibility for themselves. That's what I think. Yeah, well, it's hard. it's easier said than done. I mean, it's really. I mean, I found myself blaming. I think I in every aspect of my life, there are moments in which I blame the, at all the external stuff. If this would just happen, if they, because I do a lot of like, if they, you know, this person would just act a different way. That's my big one. Um, you need to, then you need to, you need to start listening to Jocko Willink then. I know. <laughs> well, I can get to a place where, um, it, once I like kind of come down off the emotions of it, I can, I can get to a place where You're I realize like, oh, yeah. like yeah. it's me, but my initial reaction a lot of That's times true. is if they, like if, if people would just do this, mm-hmm. Um, if they would just act this way, if they would just read my mind, then it'd be a whole heck of a lot easier. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like you're speaking from emotion right away. Like oh, immediately right away. it's like, boom, and then you have to like, yeah. You have to come down though. And so I think what we're not skilled at 
as individuals is the ability to take it from the emotion to like the logic. We thrive off of like living off of emotion. It's why we think with our heart, not our heads, right? Like it's okay to think with your heart for a minute, but you have to, you have to get practiced. I think it's a practice. I think, back I think the reason you. why is because I think the reason why a lot of people are like that is because this modern society we've, we've been coddled, right? Like, I feel like I've become like that. Like once I started my business and running my business, I feel like I've been getting better at it, better at not being emotional, being able to step out, look at it from an external point of view, take myself out of the situation, like all of those things. But when I was in the corporate world, that like corporate world is what made me that way. Cause yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Like double hand emoji, like double high fives. Uh, I'm giving that, that to you 100, right now. 100. Yes. <laughs> Hundred, hundred, another one. <laughs> Cause like when, when I first came here. to America from Korea, mm -hmm. I was just shocked. I, I feel like America has weakened me and then starting a business has actually like made me tougher again. Right. Mm. Cause when I first came here, I was shocked. Like what you can like buy stuff and you can return it. <laughs> like in Korea, you can't, I mean, like, at least back then you can't do that. Like when I, when I was younger, what? Was like, yeah. Oh. How old were you when you came over? I was like 11. Okay. It was like in 1990. Okay. So here, what I noticed is that here, consumers are very, people are very protected. In mm -hmm. Korea, it wasn't like that, at least back then as much, right? People are not here. Like, you, you know, you lose your job and what? They give you like unemployment and they, they give you severance. Like what? <laughs> like. There's no such thing, at least in Korea back then, right? So <clears throat> I feel like when I first came here, I was like, oh, this, this country is freaking amazing. Like, they, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then it's weakened me, right, over time. And then like, you know, not, and then I start expecting like, you know, I start expecting like, oh, there's no way. And then, the, then you start saying, there's no way they're gonna let this happen. There's no way they're going to fire me without, you know, like. Right. They can't fire me. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Because yeah. you feel like you're so safe. You're, you, you've, you've been coddled in this safe, safe place mm -hmm. that you think you're always going to be like that. And then something like the pandemic hits and you're like, what? Right? <laughs> <laughs> what? But even then, See, like the, the bailout is like, I, I feel like it's weak. I personally think that. They should, they should have let these companies go out of business. Like, I, I think all those, you know, especially those big companies, right? I think they should have let, and I think they should have let the economy tank. Yeah, I was going to say, gonna you know what would have happened. <laughs> I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but I think that's what's going to actually make us stronger. That's, that's when people are going to open their eyes and see like, fuck, no, we actually live in a real world where you can't just like, you know, make money by like fucking posting on Instagram and like getting, you know, million dollars from sponsorships and like, like that, that world is not real, right? Like, the, yeah. you know, that government's going to give us like hundred million dollars to bail us out so we can stay on business. Like that's not a real world, you know? And yeah. maybe people will start saving money, right? 
because I'm just like, it, it boggles my mind that how little people save money, like how little people are living paycheck to paycheck or how little businesses are just barely surviving like that. Like if, you, if you're like, if you only have 30 days runway in your business, you probably fucking be in, shouldn't be in business, right? But I see it in, in, on Instagram too, right? I see so many people that are like, they, they can't actually afford to be in business, but they have this dream of like, because all this entrepreneurship like is, is such a trendy thing, they have this dream of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I'm like, no, you're not, fuck you. Like go, go fucking back, go back to get a job and then like actually build your business, right? Mm-hmm. Like that really like saddens me because you know, like it. I can tell you got a lot of passion about this. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's because I, I, I see it happening all around and I, I feel like we're not doing anything about it. We're actually, every time we do these bailouts, every time like, you know, somebody, somebody saves the day or something like that, it's just all it's doing is it's, it's making us weaker. You know, yeah, I kind of secretly I, like, I, I, I secretly want to live in like a Mad Max kind of apocalyptic world where it's like every man for himself. Like, <laughs> I know. So as you were talking, like, and you're talking about like, I, you, I, all I envisioned was like at the early stages of the pandemic, when mm-hmm. Michael went to the grocery store and forged mm-hmm the most random food that was left and like our cabinets are stuffed with like these random <laughs> things that are supposed to keep us alive during an apocalypse. Like a and movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I just had all these visions of like the walking dead and that's where we were like that. That's how we lived. Um, as you were talking, like I'm drinking water from my pool. Um, <laughs> like, I'm like trying to, run away from that's kind of my secret fantasy like not mine (laughs) not mine or for my children if if me and my children can make it through with before mad max that'll make life interesting though (laughs) it's already interesting i'm good at the interest level you're like it's interesting enough (laughs) i've got a lot of interest i've had my (laughs) a lot of interesting things happen to me um but yeah, I just don't want to live that life. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think I like the coddling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, um, I think the. Um, um, I don't think Shake kind of, Shack should have been coddled, though. Uh, they, they got were? the triple P. They got part of the triple P loan. I mean, the, but the biggest is like the big airlines, right? I. I actually think what should have happened, because I, I think there's there were a few airlines that had enough cash that they could they could have lasted an entire year. I don't I forgot I, I don't know if it was Southwestern or one of those airlines had enough cash. Surprised. Yeah. So what I think should have happened, because what I see happening right now with airlines is that those big airlines actually have the worst service. Yeah. And they're actually usually the most expensive their tickets, right? Yeah. I think those airlines, the, all those big airlines, they should have just let go out of, let them go out of business. Give then Southwest these smaller airlines, planes. yeah, like Southwest, Virgin, JetBlue, the guys that yeah. are, that are actually doing it right, they're doing a good job, and they're actually 
being more competitive in their pricing and all of that. Mm -hmm. They should have let those guys thrive because, you know, and then all those people who got fired from American Airlines, now they can come work for these guys, right? Yeah. They probably won't make it though. (laughs) Because the problem that's happening is, (laughs) yeah, that's true. The criteria to work for Southwest is very, yeah. (laughs) Those people should be like, I feel the same way about like teachers, right? Like I think teachers are like the worst because teachers, like, especially if they're like tenured, they're never going to get fired. So I, cause I know a lot of teachers, you know, like public school teachers and shit, like they're the worst. They literally just give zero fuck about the students. They, they literally don't care about Mm -hmm. like their job. Right. They're literally counting the days until they can retire. And, and, and the reason why is because of the whole, they're coddled. Like, Mm-hmm. So I totally believe in like, I'm a total capitalist. Like, I think there should be competition. I think people yeah. should, you know, like, and as soon as like, um, <clears throat> and I actually don't even, I don't even believe in like uh, free healthcare because I think, I feel like one of the biggest problems with insurance is like, I think the reason why the insurance prices are so high is because like drug companies and hospitals, can, they feel like they can charge whatever they want because the, the end user is not paying for it themselves, right? The insurance company is going to pay for it. So they can keep jacking up the prices. Mm-hmm. But if you, can, if you look at something like LASIK, right? LASIK surgery where they have, people have to pay out of pocket. Like I remember when LASIK first came out, like 10, like, 15 years ago, it used to cost like $30,000. Right. And it, it was, and it, it takes days to heal. Now you can get a LASIK for like $3,000 and like yeah. you can go home the same, like. I was going to say like, it's like 1500. I see some deals yeah. like 1500 per eye. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. But the reason why that happened is because people were paying out of their pocket. Therefore right. these, these doctors and these places had to compete for it. Mm-hmm. And that that's what's going to drive the health healthcare prices down by actually like letting people compete. Like, and same thing with, I, I think it's the same thing with schools too. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm all for government aid. So don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm not this like super right wing, like, you know, <laughs> like every man for themselves. Like I, but I think what the government should do is government should just give people cash like the people that need it give them cash and let them make the decision on which doctor they want to go see like what school they want to go to right Mm -hmm. but that's not happening right now they're like now they're not giving them cash they're forcing them to take medicare or whatever it is and they're forcing them to use this thing there so so the hospitals don't have to compete like the insurance companies don't have to compete because, you know, like they don't have to win the business. All they need to do is lock out, lock in this government contract and their job is done. They don't have to actually compete right. for the end users, you know, money. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I remember like in, um, I used to, to work in healthcare. But... <laughs> when I used to work in healthcare, um, I remember there was, and I was getting my MBA. We did a, a, a 
project. And I remember one of the examples, I don't remember all the details of it, but we talked about how, like, if you went, go to get your car worked on, um, you know, you go to multiple mechanics and get two or three quotes, quotes. maybe see who's going to, who has the best reviews. You can ask for referrals. You can see how much the estimates are. You can ask them a lot of questions, but yeah, we go into, um, surgeries and, our healthcare, like so blind. And actually my mom just, uh, she was getting a CT scan and her insurance company called her and said, Hey, you can actually get the CT scan at this place a little bit cheaper. Oh, really? Would you, would you go to this place instead? We'll set it up. We'll do everything. And she was like, because she's not paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, does it change how much I pay? And they were like, no, I mean, you're, whatever and they were and she was like no then i'm gonna go to this place because it's more convenient um so i mean i I could see it happening with i have some clients that i are in research right like columbia university columbia university medical center like their research departments and they're mostly government funded those Mm -hmm. those research searches are government funded and whenever i work with any clients that are like government funded or like grant funded projects. Oh my gosh. They like, they literally move at snail speed. Yes. Like We need to have a meeting with like 10 people about some fucking stupid, like one line that, that we need to talk about, like the login button or whatever. Like it's so useless because these people have zero incentive to like actually launch, launch fast or, you know, compete or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could tell, I could tell, <laughs> I could tell. I mean, it won't change overnight, but I get, but I guess like about the how, how, it, how this relates to like personal brands. If I were to relate it back is like I'm doing Amy's course right now, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of what she talks about is just like, even though it's like a course about creating a digital course, like a lot of the things that she has to talk about is like business related, right? Like how you have to be resilient and how you have to be, you know, you have to do the small things. Like it's cause, you know, a lot of people think that business is about uh, what you know, the, the skills that you have that that's what, that's what you need in order to succeed in business. But like from my personal experience, like some of the most successful business owners that I know actually don't have any skills. They don't, they don't actually have like a particular skill. They're not particularly like smart, right? Actually the, the most successful ones that I know are like not the smartest ones. Right. Yeah. But they, you know, but they, have resilience they do those small things right they they listen to smart people around them and and i i think that's kind of like what any small any business anyone that's starting a business not just personal brands like need to understand like you know if you're gonna run a business like you have to have that resilience you have to it's just like it's Every time I try to talk to like a, a new entrepreneur, 
and they they're like oh how, how can i get how can i build my list how can i get more you know followers how can i like increase my customers like organically without paying for ads right <laughs> and and that's kind of like that's the one wishful thinking that every entrepreneur have right and to me it's like i i hate to be like the barrier of the bad news but like, like dude you're I guarantee you, you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna be profitable for at least the next year, right? Mm -hmm. So don't ask me questions about like, how can I monetize in, in the next three months, right? Cause like, if you're thinking like that, you're already not gonna, you're already not gonna make it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to just- Or you're gonna have the, a reality <laughs> check. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the sooner you accept the fact that that's not gonna happen and you're in it for the long run yeah. and you start, doing those little things to slowly build up your audience, the sooner you're going to succeed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you're just going to be frustrated that your bank uh, account is empty. Uh, <laughs> and, and what's more, even more frustrating is that when I say that, because all these uh, personal brands, coaches, business coaches, entrepreneurs, marketers, whatnot, because they've heard this before from Gary Vee and they've heard They've heard the spiel, spiel like about, like you know, yeah. that it, that you have to have patience, that you have to have all of that. So they're like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, right? I'm like, okay, if you know, fucking do it. Like, <laughs> I know, I know, but what should I do? In the, like, like they 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 say the high level cliche, and then their actions go right back to trying to monetize it right now, mm -hmm. and I'm like what you're doing right now is what's going to hurt your business. <laughs> like, cause you're chasing your potential customers away. You're like, if you, you know what I mean? You should be, you should be nurturing your customer right now through those emails for the next nine months, not trying to sell them. Sending promotional sales email, every email, like that's how right. you're going to actually lose. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause you have to build a relationship because it is, if, if you are doing like personal branding, one thing I've learned is like, you're building a relationship. So what does Donald Miller say? Like the ask you, he's, you're asked, you're doing the date thing. Like you don't ask someone to marry you. Like the first well, he time he says you talk like, to uh, with that, I think what he talks about is like, you, you have to have two call to actions on a page, the primary and secondary call to action. So the primary is like, will you marry me? And the secondary is like, will you go out with me? Yeah. <laughs> in case like the worst one doesn't work out. You, yeah. But he talks about like, even in his book, like you have to keep asking. Yeah. You may have to keep asking them out. Like you may have yeah. to date them for a little bit, you know, and. Yeah. What Gary Vee like, says is more, more, I think related to this because he, he has the jab, 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 right cook. And he yeah. says like, give, 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 and then ask. Yeah. 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 That's, um, yeah. We just built a funnel that was like, I think there might be like one, there's probably like 15 emails and there might be one like very blatant, like call to action. Like we're, we're asking them to like buy something. Um, and the others are just like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> nurturing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The others are just like a lot of what them are giving, giving tools, away telling stories yeah um uh i think the most important is being relatable telling relatable yeah. stories 
Yeah. And the only way you can do that is by being authentic in your stories. Because I think a lot of people like tell stories and then like they try to like craft the story. But the, the stories that actually work the best is when you just tell it literally down to the T exactly how it actually happened. Yeah. Because you can't write a better story than the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about like, you know, like, you know, Vanessa Lau and like yeah, Laura Belgrade. Yeah. Like their emails are like, the reason why they get such high conversion rate when they sell on emails is because they have the type of audience that are looking forward to their email every week. Like they're mm-hmm. waiting for that email. And, and what I noticed is that it's not because they're giving this like some secret information, like they're teaching this information that nobody else has. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It, it is that their emails are so authentic, so raw, so vulnerable that when the right person is reading it, they're going like, oh shit, like I can so see myself in her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that I don't see it in anyone else. Yeah. And that's actually the number one thing that sells. Mm-hmm. Like it, like being, feeling like you're like the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can relate to them. Yeah. Those people, like, even though they have smaller mailing lists than some huge people, they actually sell just as much in terms of like their sales. Oh yeah. In terms of dollars, it's just as much. Cause they have a higher percentage converting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, it, it surprises me even more when a new entrepreneur says like they want to hire a copywriter to write that. Right. I'm like, no, like if you look at my clients that are so fucking busy and they have like an entire team of 10 people that, that does all of this, even manage their social media and all of that, like that email is written by them. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that you have to do yourself. They do. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't outsource that. Yeah. It's, Cause that's your, your weekly email that goes out to the clients, that to, to the audience. That's literally your direct relationship. <laughs> those, those are the direct conversations you're having with them. That's what's mm-hmm. going to build a relationship. Yeah. So you can't outsource that. You might as well just outsource your whole business if you're going to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, and honestly, like for us, like Michael's emails do so well because he does, write them like people respond to his emails people because he writes them Uh, I I think there are certain things that you have to do yourself that that you just can't outsource yeah like too many people are into this whole fucking Tim Ferriss outsource like uh, Tim Ferriss is a perfect example right with his four four hour work week he talks about outsourcing everything right everything yeah but he still writes the one thing he does himself (laughs) is write his own blog and write his own email like he'll right. never outsource that. What do you do, Tim? Whatever <laughs> Tim does, you should do. <laughs> and only no, work I four mean, hours a week. <laughs> I'm sure he works like 80 hours a week. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello, of course. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of like why I did the whole like cliche thing because... I, I guess, you know how, um, Donald Miller says like, 
you know, one of the things that he talks about is that like, what's so wrong in the world, right? And like, you're, you're, that's your enemy. That's what you're trying to fight, right? Mm-hmm. I guess one oh, of the yeah. things that I feel like is so wrong in the world right now is that because there's so many thought leaders, so many influencers and things like that out there, everything that they're saying has become a cliche that everybody knows everything and they're everybody knows everything and they're all trying to teach the same thing. Like they listen and they teach the same thing when they haven't actually experienced it themselves. And therefore, you know, the one part that really, really bothers me is the authenticity thing is everybody's saying, be yourself authentically, blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. so little people actually practice it. Like almost no one, in my opinion. And it to me, it's it's really like it's it feels like I'm watching a baby about to like crawl off this cliff because I see it so clearly, right? I see it so clearly that dude, all you have to do is literally just be honest in your in those emails. All you gotta do, like literally, is every week when you write those emails, just be completely honest. Don't even fake it a little bit, right? When you when you post that Instagram post, just be completely honest. Don't even fake it a little bit, right? Don't try to show off. Don't try to brag. Don't try to preach. Like, just be completely raw, right? That's all you got to do. And you're going to fucking blow up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so obvious to me, but literally not one single person does it. Yet they go around telling other people to be authentic and telling other people to be honest, like, that's like what I feel like I'm, I'm watching a baby walk off of cliff because yeah. I'm just watching this fucking happen. I'm watching this like disaster happen right in front of my eyes. And like, I'm, I'm just sitting there going like, because, and it's because of these cliches, right? Because they're saying, they're still saying it because of the cliche. So I'm seeing it going like, what can I do? What can I say to make them actually see that they're about to walk off the cliff, right? Like, <laughs> Because that's all literally they have to do. It's so simple. Why do you think it's so hard? So, 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 okay. Simple is not the same as easy, right? Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of things that are simple, but they are not easy to do. I actually was I mean, having I, a conversation in the comments with someone about this. Like doing that is so hard. And there's a re- there's, there is a reason like why people being, are not being doing honest. It. Yeah. There's a re there's, there's a reason so, okay, why. why don't you tell me so here's my theory and then you tell me what you think my theory is this like i don't think they truly believe that if they're they do it if they just like become an open book like pour their soul out like wear their heart on their sleeves and just be completely vulnerable i don't think that they they believe that that'll actually help them grow their brand like they don't, even though they hear it, they hear from mm-hmm. all the cliche, they, they know that that's what they should be doing. They don't actually believe it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that might be part of it. I think that another is like just the fear of subconsciously as humans, there's like, a real fear around exposing yourself and doing something different 
in front of thousands and, and thousands of fear? people. What's the outcome that they're afraid survival. of? Survival. I think there's like this innate survival uh, That voice. they're going to ruin their brand? They're going to ruin their brand or they're just, and it's all like subconscious. I don't know that we know. Like, I think some of this, like, we don't know that that's driving our decisions. We don't think. That's what that I mean. That's, that's why I don't think that they truly believe in it deep down in their heart that, so what I'm saying is if you just do that, mm -hmm. that your brand is going to go like this, right? Yes. But then I think inside, deep inside, I think they believe that if they do that, their brand is going to go like this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah. I understand what you're saying. I think what, what I'm saying is that I, I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's similar, but like just social, like this fear of like, what it, Michael calls it social death versus physical mm -hmm. death. Like you won't be accepted. We've kind of talked about this before. Um, but yeah, I yeah, guess with just, personal brand, it's a bigger stake because you're putting your name out there. So right. if you ruin your reputation as a person, that, that's going to stay with you till the day you die. <laughs> right. And I don't even know that like, it's like a fear that I'm going to ruin anything. Mm -hmm. It's just a fear of like putting yourself, like the ex you're out there exposed. Like you have shown like this part of yourself that maybe it doesn't fall within all the thing, all the cliches that like you're taught, right? Like it's not following all the rules in the books of what you're that supposed you might to be, do. And it may not you work. Might be and, yeah. yeah. You may so be contradicting like fear of the rules. Yeah. Fear yeah. of judgment, fear of just putting yourself out there. It's like public speaking, you know, we all get this like fear of like being exposed, you know, that, that visceral feeling of like, being exposed and all eyes it's on it's not you. logical at all yeah it's not yeah it's just like this and so it's subconsciously driven and i think it's just our human nature to like it's our survival instinct as our survival instincts i think so how do you fix that drive us to, sh to to like hide ourselves i think you have to find other people that walk that path that can a hold you accountable and b um, talk to you about it, like hold up a mirror when they see that you're not living a life true to yourself. Um, and then you have to have a safe place. Like you have to have a, like I said, a community, a safe place of people to go back to that are going to accept you no matter what. Because if you don't have, like, if you don't have that safe place, then you're just exposed and there's no, I guess that makes it easier. That, that if you're in that place and you have a society like that, that makes it easier for you to do that because you see everybody else doing it. Yes. Like you've got people around you who are doing it and there's a place but you to still have to do to. it. Yeah. You still have to do it on your own out in the real world. Out in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Like Michael talks about, uh, you know, oh, I think he even says this in the TED talk, right? Like when he had to admit to the landlord where he was trying to get yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or no, he had to admit oh, no, to he didn't say it in the hiring manager yeah. Yeah. that he was an addict. And his uh, sponsor said, yeah, just tell him the truth. And he was like, man, I can't do that. This is not a 12-step meeting. This is like no. the real world. It's almost like he needed that permission from somebody else to, to say, yeah, you should, that's what you have to do. Yeah, because like, for me, if I have to make a decision, like one of the things that I, I literally feel like my job <laughs> Part of my job with my clients is that like a lot of people, they want 
um, a lot of people want to be told what to do, right? Like a lot of people, like, let's say they have to make a big business decision. Should I do this? Should I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And literally like a lot of decisions, like it doesn't really matter which way, which one you go with, as long as once you, after you decide, you just stick to it. Right. And you mm-hmm. just go all in. Right. That's what's more important. And a lot of my clients, they, they turn to me like, son, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do this? And they want, what they want from me more than anything I, is to say, hey, you should do that because of this. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, yeah. But in reality, they could have also done this, right? But what they really want is that permission to say, yeah, you, you can do that. Right? <laughs> like, because they don't want to be the one that make the decision alone by themselves. And then they have no idea if they did the right thing or not. But as soon as yeah. the sponsor says, yeah, you should tell them the truth. Right. Just makes it easier. Makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah. And to know that you have like an entire support system cool. behind you, if you make that decision, right. even if that decision goes poorly, right? Because that doesn't mean that Michael is yeah, if you job. <laughs> Like yeah, let's that, say you, you, if you were being honest, you didn't get the job or you got fired, right? Your right. whole family might be like, look what you did, Michael. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that feels even worse, right? Because yeah. now but, you got rejected. <laughs> yeah, but like when you've got a group of people that like accept you unconditionally. Um, because just because someone's granted you permission doesn't mean that it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, the way that you want it to, but and that and somebody has and there has to be, and you have to know that that's okay too. You have to surrender it. Yeah. Like you have like for to me, like, let it go. The first for me, so I I see what you mean now. Like for me, it's kind of like, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just? whatever you're scared of, you're vulnerable, why don't you just say it, right? It's easy for me to say, but I think, I think the first time of doing anything is always the hardest, right? Yes. Like the, the first time you ever ask a girl out in your entire life is that's going to be the hardest experience of asking a girl out. Like literally the, right the second time, it already gets so much easier. And then the more you do it, it gets easier. But that first one, the difference between the first one and second one is like huge. Yeah. And I think from starting the second one, it doesn't, it's not as big. Yeah. But that first step is always like, and I'll, the analogy that I was thinking of is it's almost like, you know, you know, in like a toilet, like a, when, when the toilet is like clogged, if you just like get a bucket of water and you just dump it in there, <laughs> You know, it'll, it'll like flush. It'll, yeah. it'll go through. It'll like and force lo- it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people logically know that, but let's say you have an overflowing tub, like the water is like up to there <laughs> and you know, you have to like pour water in there. Even if you know logically that it's going to work to actually get yourself to do it. Yeah. Is yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? For some, it's for, for illogical reasons. Right. Yeah, because everything in your body is saying, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but the first time you actually do it and you see it work and it's, it's, it's proof that it worked, mm-hmm. literally the second time it's going to get so much easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about this is a really funny example. 
I was thinking about when I had heartburn so bad when I was uh-huh. pregnant that my friend was like, just drink some bacon soda water. It was like the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life, but it was like instantaneous relief. So every time after that, it was a whole heck of a lot easier to drink. <laughs> that bacon soda water, because I was like, I know I'm going to feel so much better after I drink this. Yeah. So you, yeah. I guess that gives you the faith that it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, zero to one on having kids, like mm-hmm. that was way harder than like, I mean, there's complications adding a second baby, but yeah, you have the experience, you have the knowledge, you have less fear. It takes, pra- that's why all of this is practice. That's why what Michael teaches is it's not a one and done. You know, a lot of these courses are like productivity things or any, they all seem like it's like one and done. I don't know if they intentionally mean for it to come off that way, but I feel like they all come off that way. Like do this course and you're done. You're like healed of your. I guess it depends on what you're teaching because if you're teaching, let's say a web design, I mean, once you learn it, you're done. Like, <laughs> but there's always like room to improve, right? There's practice. I don't know. I would. Well, there's a next there's level. Like, yeah, but, there's like, yeah, there's some things that are very. But that's binary. a different course. Yeah, um, but it's this authenticity thing, like putting yourself out there like that, writing that simple post, writing that simple email just like you were saying, the first one's not going to be easy, but you have to keep practicing, even though it was painful. Like if you want to get in shape, you have to practice eating properly and you have to practice exercising. Like if you want to be better at meditation and be more centered, it's a practice. So all of this stuff that we're talking about is... Yeah, you're exactly right. Because even now, for me, it's it's still hard. It's never easy, right? Like everything and that's that why do. there's a difference yeah. between simple and easy. Yeah. Because yeah. easy and hard are like, like simple things can be, are very hard. I think they're harder in many ways. So I would say the takeaway is <laughs> if you want to be, first of all, if you think you're being authentic in your marketing, if you think you're being honest in your marketing, you probably are not. <laughs> were you uncomfortable? Listening. Yeah. Were, were you yeah. uncomfortable when you wrote it? Yeah, exactly. Are you scared if for not, someone to read it? Yeah. yeah. You almost have to be like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm putting it out there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then. So the first time is going to be definitely the hardest it's going to be a huge leap the first time you do it it gets a little it gets a lot easier actually i think after the first time but it's still going to be hard for the rest of your life (laughs) and that just means that you're doing it right yeah that just means you're doing it right i think yeah and you have that's why you need a daily it's like the first time you go to you get yourself if you haven't worked out for years the first time you get to your, get yourself to the gym is going to be the hardest. Mm-hmm. But then once you do it, like literally the second time gets a lot easier. But that doesn't mean a year later, you can stop working out. 
Right. And it doesn't mean that always get like getting in your car or walking down to the gym is any more pleasurable. Yeah. Yeah. But that'll probably be the hardest part forever. If it's not something you enjoy, like I run to the gym, Michael is not excited about going to the gym, but Oh, you're excited about going to the gym? Oh, I, I'm so excited. I'm I'm like counting the days to my six-week appointment follow-up that my doctor can say I'm all cleared to exercise again. <laughs> really? But I, it, yeah. Have you always been like that? No. But I, um, after grad school, I started working out a lot. And um, not a lot, but every day. And I think it's just more of like a... A, it's part of my routine. B, I feel like those endorphins afterwards. Like it's such a stress reliever for me. I used to get migraines a lot. And then since doing, since regular exercise, like I don't get them anymore. Uh, You know, I've had rarely do I get them. Um, So just me, I think it makes me a better human. So what's the secret? Like, because I know a lot of people who exercise regularly and for mm-hmm. them, it's still a chore to get yeah, out of my, bed. To... Like for Michael, it is. He's like, I so hate it. So what's your secret? It's just enjoyable <laughs> for me for some reason. It's just like the same reason, like, I think other people have, like, there are things that I I don't enjoy doing that I think other people probably do. But I look forward to it. It's just something I, I look forward to every day. Mm. <laughs> I know that's why some people are like, uh, that makes me sick to think about, but, um, I know there are things that I I don't get excited about that other people probably do like lawn. Do people get excited about laundry? I do not get excited about it. Yeah. But that means, um, you probably got excited about it even before. Like you naturally are enjoying it. That's why you're, you're like, you're saying that you naturally actually enjoy the, enjoy the working out part mm-hmm. and that's why you do it right whereas in most yeah. people it's a means to an end they do yes. it because they you know yeah i like the i like competing with myself so i like have spreadsheets of like my all my prs all my personal records mm-hmm. i like the constant like i like watching myself improve and there's just like a what about something like to reach it? for it what about if you were doing that, let's say, with learning, learning a new skill? Yes, I'm the same way on that too, which is why I think, but I think I'm I like, I move on very quickly from those things. Exercise has stayed, maybe because I don't feel like I've plateaued in exercise and I enjoy it. I don't know. But yeah, I feel that way about learning new skills too but I kind of want to learn things and then move on. I guess that's kind of how, how, I guess that's the key, right? Like if you want to be, I don't know where I heard this, but most likely if you don't enjoy doing it, you're Mm going to quit at some point. Um, Because you're not going to do something you hate doing for the rest of your life, right? So yeah. So this person, what they were saying is that if you just hate going to the gym and running, but if you enjoy like playing soccer or basketball, you should probably just do that instead. 
Yeah. Because the, the chance that you're going to stick to that is a lot higher than going to yeah. the gym. Yeah. Well, and I particularly like Orange Theory. Like, I, I like that workout. I don't like running outside. I'll do it. Just that that for me is like a means to an end. But I actually genuinely enjoy the Orange Theory workouts and the atmosphere and like the whole experience of it. So that, I think that probably has a lot to yeah, do with no, it. I, I, I think that's actually, yeah, I think you're on point. Like, so what would happen if Orange Theory just disappeared one day? I've, th- I've thought about that. Um, we basically have like an Orange Theory studio in our house. Like we have all the equipment except for a rower. Mm-hmm. And but it's not the same thing because I'm, it's not. I'm pretty sure part of it is the community, the environment. It is. It is. But during like when we couldn't go work out, like because I was a coach before, I have some of the templates Mm -hmm. um, and they started doing online, uh, online, like on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would like do them here and it definitely wasn't the same. Right. Like, but I could do it. Like Michael, on the other hand, like he needs like the person running next to him like to watch how fast they're running to motivate him to run and the ability to kind of zone out and just have someone telling you what to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. A large part of it is the community and the orange lights. That's how it is with in. almost every fitness thing. Like it's yeah. like Gigi, she's tried to run the marathon for years. She's tried to like regularly exercise for years. She can mm-hmm. never, she quit every time until she's she found the running club <laughs> there you go and now she has a community right yeah so like yeah. the mask free society like all these communities like baptiste yeah they're, that they're just like if you want to do something and be successful at anything whether it's you want to quit drugs or you want to be mask free yeah or you want to run a marathon or you want to get fit or whatever it is, or you want to be mindful with meditation, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, right? If it's something that benefits you, but you don't want to do, the best, the best way to keep that going is through a community. And I think that's why. That's your takeaway. Yeah. That's your fire yeah. for today, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's the... the <laughs> the master dropping the knowledge you're welcome <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, but yeah no i i do i think that i completely i agree like the same thing is for being a mom like mm-hmm. there's you need the community is a huge part of it it's why like we have we have a facebook group we have online meetings for the mask free society like you see your just like you said earlier you can see yourself in someone else. I'm just going to show you something real quick. Have you heard of this Instagram account called common wild common underscore wild. Okay. After this, you should check it out right away. After this. Yeah. It's for moms. Common underscore wild. Well, how do you know about it? I don't know. I don't know how I came across it, but I was like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. (laughs) 
I think you'll really enjoy it. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah, this girl's awesome. Yeah, you should uh check out some of their posts and then you, Yeah, I'm gonna follow her. And check her there in her highlights, she has uh, my story. Like it's so amazing. Should check that out. How did you? Uh, f you don't know how you found her? I don't know. I don't know how I found it. I just maybe somebody, maybe I saw it. Somebody shared something, or I don't know. Huh? Yeah, she looks cool. But yeah, like mm -hmm. even mom thing. I hundred percent when it comes to fitness, it's when I look at like the yoga communities, and I've seen like Barry's boot camp. Orange Theory, like CrossFit, like I really think like 80% of it is the community. Like it people is, they, love it. They put a the huge, huge emphasis on community within, like, because I actually worked for Orange Theory for a while. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I was a fitness coach. Like, yeah. I, okay, I was a member. I loved it so much. I quit my job and became a coach. I quit my corporate job <laughs> to go be an Orange they Theory fitness coach. They scream at people. No, 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 no. That, like their whole thing is like embracing every size, every activity level. Um, yeah, a huge part of it was community. I mean, the 5 a.m.ers, right? Like they had their own Facebook group. Like they made bumper stickers. Like, yeah. Like, like them cheering really each other. Like that's what they do, right? And those running yeah. clubs too. They're yeah, like, everyone like. Yeah. And everybody who there, comes in, they're welcomed. Yep, they're welcome and like you're 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 there for when someone does their best on their best day, but you're always you're also there for them on their worst day. They've got someone, you know, and it makes you feel like you belong. Like yeah, you know. And and like when you see a stranger and you see like they have an OTF sticker or you see something like I mean, I remember I, we went to London, and there's an Orange Theory in London, and I felt like I was walking into a group of people that already knew who I was. Like I didn't feel like there were any strangers, um, and I de definitely didn't know anyone there. And I've been in probably fifty or sixty Orange Series across the country. Like, but you feel like you already know them because they they've went through the similar experience. Yeah, we all know how it's going down. We're all doing the same workout. Like the workout in Shanghai today like is going to be the same workout today. Yeah, that we're doing here. Yeah. But I think the takeaway, I think it's about community. And I think it's also about um, what you said about just put it out there. That's actually amazing because I feel like that's the one thing that most personal brands are not doing, not focusing on. They they focus on messaging, they focus on marketing, they focus on growing, growing audience, they focus on their courses, they focus on all of those things. But nobody really focused on, okay, how can I build a community where every new person that come like, a lot of them don't have Facebook groups, like, how can I create a community where every person that comes into this community feels welcome, they feel seen, mm -hmm. they feel like they, they belong here. Mm -hmm. That's what so many people don't work on. But, you know, like Baptiste teaches that. Like, it's yeah. a big part of what they teach. And they, it's because they know that the most successful yoga studios are the ones that have a strong community, not the one that yes. has like the best technical teacher. Exactly. And my friend, 
she's so freaking good at building communities. Like, like from the moment you meet her, like you feel like she's your best friend and she's so good at like welcoming people, cheering people up, making them feel like they're seen. Like when she does a Zoom class, she'll literally like call everybody out. It's like, like, yeah. hey, son, you're doing great. Like, you know, do all of that. After each class, she DMs every single one of them personally. <laughs> and like, she's just so good at creating community. And she like started a membership and immediately she got like 150 signups, like in two days. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And that's because, like such an important part. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So that's the knowledge that we're dropping today. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. That's no a, charge. That was a good one. This was on you, Elizabeth. Yeah. And someone was asking, what did you say? Like, what did you say in one of the comments? And I was like, whoa, wait a second. What's, somebody asked what your hourly rate was. Oh, was really? It? And you're like, oh, that, like how much oh, should we, advertising. Should we charge for our ads? Yeah. yeah. How much should we charge for our ads? And, for our uh, 80, 80 viewers? Yeah, 80 like zero. <laughs> hey, man, don't get crazy. Um, All right, well, I'll, I'll bump that up a little bit. Yeah, bump it up at least 50 <laughs> cents. Like, <laughs> oh, we're not coddling people here. Uh, this, uh, this episode was sponsored by Orange Theory. This, <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by... Um, what was I going to say? Well, oh, yeah, and you need to... We're going to do the Insta Stories questions. Yeah. This week. Yeah, I will definitely do that. And if I don't remember it, uh, can you can you text me and remind me? <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll remind you. I'll remind I, we should you. probably do it on like we should probably do it on like Wednesday or something, right? So it's fresh. Mm -hmm. Let's do that, and then uh, we'll answer the question first. We'll start out the podcast. Yeah. That that, that should be a fun one. Yeah, that will be fun. Maybe yeah. we'll answer it's more not than just one. Us. It's not just us going like on tangents. <laughs> we don't ever talk about what we're supposed to. Um, yeah. All right. Well, but we always little... end on a end on a good conclusion. So, are we? Yeah, we always do. We always get somewhere meaningful. I think. But that's how all these that's how these conversations work. So, just fast awesome. forward to the end. Just fast forward to all. <laughs> <laughs> I should just like take the last like five minutes of every podcast and then just upload that. There you go. <laughs> this instead of following us on this ninety-minute journey, just listen to this part. Yeah. You'll get what you need. I'm actually. I think I, I should do that. Maybe I should use like Repurpose House or something to send them the full version and then tell them to cut up like pieces or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll do it. They'll do it. They'll even. You can even hire like a. Um, social curator for like 200 extra dollars a month and they'll find the best parts oh yeah because that part takes me a long time that's yeah. why i stopped doing it after the first episode yeah that that was the that's hard for me with like michael's stuff is like finding the best parts so um yeah they'll do it and this episode brought to you Ooh. by social curator. <laughs> if y'all want to give me a month free that'd be awesome I know, right? <laughs> give me a referral link <laughs> <laughs> all right son always a pleasure i'm gonna take care Thanks, of uh, my little baby now yeah. 
Bye. Thanks. Enjoy Orange Theory. Thank you. Bye.